From CPR News and KRCC, this is A Day in the Life of a Restaurant, a Colorado Matters Labor Day special. I'm Ryan Warner. And I'm Sarah Mulholland, business reporter here at CPR. The pandemic has ravaged restaurants. Workers are hard to find. So are ingredients. So is glassware. We have water pitchers that we put on the table, and that's something that we've had to stop doing in recent weeks because they break and we can't replace them. So the customers are like, you're just becoming lazy or inconsistent. And we're like, no, we literally just can't get them. Today, aspects of running a restaurant you might have never considered, like glassware. And the roller coaster costs of raw ingredients. I just noticed garlic is very, very expensive. <laughs> Looks like $121 for a case. Usually that's in the $60 or $70 range. We revisit our day in the life of Zomo Asian and American Eatery in Englewood, a Labor Day success story. Support for Colorado Public Radio comes in all shapes and sizes. You might give monthly as an Evergreen member or contribute during fund drives. Maybe you donated your car or gave a gift of stock. For all the ways you support CPR, thank you so much. Your generosity is deeply appreciated. Thank you for bringing trustworthy news and timeless music to listeners across Colorado. Explore all the ways to give at CPR.org. Click on Support CPR. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Ryan Warner. On this Labor Day, we reshare a story of perseverance in an industry that often operates on the razor's edge. Many restaurants have shut down permanently during the pandemic. The survivors often had to reinvent themselves in light of issues that persist, like supply chain disruptions, inflation, and labor shortages. CPR business reporter Sarah Mulholland and I decided to spend a day in the life of a restaurant, just as pandemic restrictions were easing up last December. It's always been true that when you sit down at a restaurant... Hello, how are you guys doing tonight? We're well. My name is Sheila. I'm going to be taking care of you folks this evening. You don't see all the effort that gets your food to the table. Have we ever been to Zoma before? Okay, wonderful. So you already know the rundown on the menu. May I get anything started for you guys? Drinks, appetizers? Maybe you caught that this restaurant's name is Zomo. The owners describe it as an Asian and American eatery. It's just south of Denver and Englewood on a major thoroughfare. South Broadway. The owners are Ryan Anderson and Alicia Davey. They've been a couple for almost 14 years. And when they met, there were fireworks. Literally. There was a fireworks tent that was near my house, and she and her family were running it. That's Ryan. And here's Alicia. He came to check out at the register with a 25-cent firework. <laughs> big, yep. big spender. Yeah, that was cool. That was cheap. <laughs> I asked him how long he and the girl he was with had been together, and he's like, that's my sister. And I was like, all right. This is my chance, so I gave him a bunch of free fireworks. <laughs> yeah. We went and set them off 300 feet from the tent, which is the fire code. <laughs> they were both in high school, and Ryan came back for more fireworks. Yeah, my grandma was there when we were setting off fireworks. and mm-hmm. I think um, my parents, I mean, everyone met him in the first day that I knew him, so he was pretty much part of the family early on. Yeah. This is key because Alicia's family, who's Vietnamese-American, is really the culinary inspiration behind Zomo. 
namely her grandmother, Chi Nguyen. So do you um, have your recipes written down anywhere, or do you just have them all in your head? Up in my hair. <laughs> Zomo serves what they call home-style Asian food. Yellow curry is a favorite, taro root fries, and they specialize in pho, the Vietnamese noodle soup, which cooks in an impressive kettle. Grandma Chi speaks with me here through an interpreter. How big is that? Like how many gallons or? She's saying it's about 80 gallon. That's really big. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is a day in the life of a restaurant, and the day started long before the pho was simmering. Ryan, you took the early shift. I was around for dinner. When and where did you start? Well, Ryan Anderson told me to meet him bright and early, 7 a.m. at Restaurant Depot in Denver. I got there a little beforehand to check out the scene, gather Ambi, that's radio speak for the natural sound of a place, and I read some of the signs I saw on the building out loud. This is Ambi at Restaurant Depot, where restaurants shop. Lower prices on the items you buy every day. Now hiring. All positions available. That help wanted sign stuck out to me because we've heard so much, Sarah, about worker shortages in restaurants themselves. Seems like restaurant suppliers are in the same boat. And I'll talk more about the labor market later. Ryan pulled up in a small SUV, rear seats folded down to make space for whatever he was going to buy. We're grabbing some groceries early in the morning, trying to get some fresh produce, and then uh, we'll keep going to some of the Asian markets and pick up produce there and get back to the restaurant and start getting everything stocked. So, And this is an early start to a day that will include dinner service. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we work very long hours, um, but we try and stagger them so I'm not working like 6 a.m. every day. So, <laughs> What are you hoping to get specifically at Restaurant Depot today? Uh, let's see. Broccoli, lettuce, cucumbers, jalapenos, carrots, cabbage. They're dry goods like sugar, ketchup, sauces, things like that. How much do you think you'll spend today here? Probably between 500 and 1,000. Inflation is such a big issue right now. Did you guys talk at all about what's going on with food prices? Oh, yeah. Just wait till you hear about the price of garlic. Stay tuned. So, Sarah, we're going to end up visiting four different stores. And Ryan probably would have kept going. It's just that he ran out of room in his SUV, which made me wonder why he doesn't just have stuff delivered to Zomo, to the restaurant. We do have, like, suppliers who drop shipments, but a lot of times, like, especially right now, we're dealing with supply chain issues, so, you know, we have to sometimes get out and come to these local supply houses to get produce, and, and sometimes it's because it's fresher or sometimes because of price, so there's a few different reasons why we actually go out and get the produce instead of getting it delivered. Ryan tells me there's also a shortage of delivery drivers, now, he mentioned supply chain issues. Like what? Specifically for us, it's the Asian goods. There's there's a couple things like coconut milk and some of our soy sauces and seasonings that be, have become very, very difficult to find. And so it's kind of like however much space you have available, you try and buy as much as you can <laughs> if, you, if you find it. <laughs> 
Is there something that we might find that you would stock up on big time that would be the kind of mother load if you found it? Uh, the mother load would be coconut milk in large uh, canned form. It's, it's very difficult to find. I would say I've only seen it available maybe once or twice in the past three to four months. And what do you use the coconut milk for? Uh, we have a yellow curry that is our most popular dish. So that's that's a big one for us. And that's why uh, I, I bought a pallet worth and a lot of it sitting at my house. So <laughs> just stocked up and made sure that we could get it through at least the winter. And have you heard about why it's so difficult to get? I mean, it's not like coconut stopped growing. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, there's obviously issues at the, you know, the port in California and I just, um, yeah, I buy it whenever I see it. And every single time I'm here or I'm out of the, any of the other places that store it, I, um, I check. So that's, that's as best as we can do. What time did you get up this morning? Well, today's a little special because I had a bunch of other things I was trying to get done. So I haven't really slept today, but... Wait, you haven't slept at all? No, no. Sometimes I do that, but it's not always. Maybe <laughs> maybe once a month. You're a dad too. Yeah, six month old. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Definitely enjoyable. I mean, I'm dead tired like all the time, but it's worth it. When you buy something like broccoli, which obviously has a shelf life, how do you know just how much to buy? and? Do you wind up throwing out a lot of produce? And is that an equation that you've had to master over time? Definitely something that you have to dial in. I think it, it you know, it's always like a constant adjustment because, you know, well, for us, we're very fortunate, but we have just kept getting busier and busier. Every single week, it's a constant movement of things. And it does become tricky because sometimes you'll buy, you know, you'll say, oh, I need two cases of broccoli, but then everybody orders broccoli wings and then you need three cases. So you have to go run somewhere, uh, you know, during dinner service or a day that you didn't plan to do any pickups or anything like that. So. Oh, so during dinner service, if you run out of something, you might go to the store to pick stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, I mean, not every place is going to do that, but we like to stay consistent and keep our products available for our customers. Now, the last time I checked, broccoli didn't have wings. Oh, broccoli wings. Oh, we, um, we just do like a, uh, a deep fried broccoli, uh, kind of battered, and they're actually really popular. So we have a couple different sauce ver variations for that, for that entree. We're going to go right into the fridge. It gets a little loud in here as well, but um, I've got kind of a list, and boom, right off the bat, I can see something's out of stock. Looks like green onion. All right, so I got two spring mix. Getting salad for tonight. Yeah, getting some spring mix. Always check the dates, try and get the freshest that you can. Make sure the expiration looks like you'll go through it in the same amount of time. Now you said right off the bat, green onions not in stock. What yeah. goes through your mind then when you realize that's the case? Um, usually it's Where's the place that I can pick those up? And uh, if not, then how, lo how long can I last before I have to get some? So is it one day? Is it two days? That's usually my time frame. <laughs> some garlic. That's a huge box of garlic. And looks like broccoli is out of stock, as I already figured. 
like I said, they've been having difficulties with it for a while. Geez, before the pandemic, we just took for granted that stuff would mostly be in stock. Yeah, and you can't even count on the stuff that is in stock, like the cilantro. The, the cilantro is looking a little sad. There's uh, just discoloration. You can just tell it's a little bit older. So I'll just skip over it if I know I have enough to get through for a couple days. Right. It's, it not, it's not just a question of whether they have it, but whether it's something that you'd want to present on a plate. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I can. That's what's nice about you know picking it up yourself is you do get some control over the product that you're picking. Whereas if you just get a drop of some, you know, they can just pick whatever box they choose, and it might not be to your standard. I can identify with that. I mean, I started getting groceries delivered in the pandemic, and the fruits and vegetables get dicey. Uh, the green peppers are looking a little sad as well. Some of them have a little bit of mold on them, so we'll skip over those. I mean, you could use the case if you need it in a pinch, but you just have to trim out and there's more waste than you need. So might look for somewhere else to get those. Now we'll move on to the dry goods. Now this list is on your iPhone. How did you make this list? Um, we just do inventory periodically through the week. And then uh, we have like a cloud list that's shared with management who picks up groceries. So we can check it off as we go. Um, each person can be updated with what groceries are in stock and whatnot. Now we're on the dry goods side, and what are you looking out for? Um, looking for to-go sauces, but we've been having issues finding those as well. So we'll see what today brings. Has it surprised you what has and hasn't been available in the pandemic? I think nothing surprises me now. Better to just stock up on everything that you can. But that's expensive. It is, and fortunately we're in a position to do it, but I just, it keeps us uh, always having product in stock and not running out of certain entrees or appetizers. So it takes a lot of effort and storage space to do that. It looks like we scored the last two boxes of uh, sriracha packets, so that's good news. The soy sauce packets are out. Oh, the soy sauce packets I know well from Chinese takeout. <laughs> yes, very popular. Still hard supply issue on those. Um, all right, we'll move on to some more dry goods. Uh, I might go this way, it might be faster. You guys know where the sugar is? Ah, okay, perfect, thank you. What's the sugar for? Oh, uh, we use sugar for everything. There's, you know, seasonings. Desserts. Ryan's careful to load the long, skinny shopping carts so that all the barcodes face one direction. Saves the cashier time, saves him time. $5.95.59. He walks out with a cart full of stuff and a receipt so long it looks like a scroll. What are you noticing about these prices? Uh, I just noticed garlic is very, very expensive. <laughs> looks like... Uh, like 121 for a case. Usually that's in the 60 or $70 range. It's just fluctuating with, you know, supply and demand. Um, but some of the other items are a little bit, you know, cheaper than usual. Sugar is down. So it's kind of a balance of things. You just keep an eye on the pricing as it goes up and down. must be like Tetris putting all of this in the back of your SUV. Absolutely. 
it's definitely a kind of something you learn how to stack things and where to put them, but I kind of make a cut in the middle of the car and then I say, okay, one place I'll load it all on that side of the car and then I'll leave the other space for the next place. And then usually it works out. Where are we headed next? Uh, we're headed to Business Costco. So they have some dry goods and some to-go boxes and things that we use. What do you mean business Costco? There's a secret Costco? Yes, there is. Uh, if you have a Costco membership, you can get in. It, it's just uh, they have more business-oriented product, large quantities of produce and things that restaurants would use or like cleaning supplies for offices and things like that. Sarah, did you know about business Costco? No. Was it busy? Oh, good. Looks like it's not too busy yet at Costco, so that means we'll be able to fly through the aisles pretty quickly. Sometimes when uh, the word gets out that toilet paper is short, then you start seeing the whole parking lot full, and then it takes twice as long to get all your stuff. <laughs> Ryan heads inside. I stay outside to confab with our photographer, Hart Van Denberg. Tons of photos from our day in the life, by the way, at CPR.org. And our story continues after a break as Ryan Anderson presses on with his hunt for ingredients and supplies. This is a day in the life of a restaurant on Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. If you want to name a mountain in Colorado, where do you start? What is the state's most iconic food? Why does Pena Boulevard have a bike lane? And does anyone use it? These are the kinds of Colorado questions we've gotten and answered in the past. I'm Corey Jones from the CPR Newsroom, and we want to hear from you, too. Ask your question at CPR.org slash Colorado Wonders and help us all discover more about our state of wonders. On this Labor Day, an industry with slim margins to begin with. Then came the pandemic and supply chain woes and inflation. Even now, 8 out of 10 restaurants in Colorado say they struggle to find enough staff to stay open regular hours. And the cost of food jumped 7% last year. It made us wonder how restaurateurs cope. So CPR business reporter Sarah Mulholland and I spent a day last December learning how one business has managed, Zomo Asian and American Eatery in Englewood. We caught up with the owners, including Ryan Anderson, hours ahead of when customers walk in. So before the break, Ryan had just run into business Costco. What'd you pick up? Uh, let's see here. We've got some onions, some to-go product. Yeah, um, tell me about the to-go product. So we try our hardest to use like eco-friendly recyclable to-go products. They carry those here. They For a couple months, they were out of stock, but um, I just had to source some cane sugar products, but I think these ones are from recycled corn. But yeah, we try and use as much recyclable as we can. We have like recyclable fuzz spoons and cutlery and almost all of our boxes. So we try as best as we can to use those. I imagine takeout boxes are really important right now just because so many people are ordering out. Oh yeah, there was a really large shortage uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic for to-go products. Then they kind of leveled out. Uh, I think they were able to get drivers. And then 
at the beginning of the summer when they started opening things back up again, I think people were starting to become more adventurous. And that's when all the to-go products were gone. Like you, you barely could get anything. It was really bad. And so uh, luckily I had some backup stock and we were able to get through it without sacrificing our product, but very difficult to find to-go products. What percentage of your business is to-go versus dine-in? Um, I think right now it's somewhere between 10 and 20%. Yeah, is our to-go's. It depends as well, like as we're moving into our colder months, I would say the percentage of takeout orders becomes higher, you know, maybe closer to the 25% mark or the 30% mark. Partly because your patio's closed. Right, patio's closed, the dining room becomes full really quickly, and then people are like, well, I'll just get takeout, that's fine. Where are we headed next? Uh, we're headed to Shamrock uh, Food Service Warehouse. So another kind of restaurant-oriented warehouse, uh, large quantities of produce and meats and things, but it actually is open to the public rather than Restaurant Depot where that's you have to have a resale license to get in there and get your stuff. And what are you going to be looking for at Shamrock? I'm trying to substitute the products that Restaurant Depot was out of stock on. So we'll see. I mean, a lot of times you end up seeing similar product shortages, right? If if Restaurant Depot is out of broccoli, then it could be possible that Shamrock is out of broccoli and whatever giant broccoli truck is driving from California is probably stopped or delayed or whatever. <laughs> Getting to tag along on this grocery run is such an eye-opener to the supply chain that gets a farmer's vegetables to a diner's table. By the end of the morning, Ryan has picked up cabbage from Texas, oranges, and yes, broccoli from California. The trip to Shamrock is fruitful, no pun intended. Uh, Turns out they are hiring as well, just like Restaurant Depot. Okay. Where are we headed next, and do you have enough room? It's always a risky question. I mean, it's also risky because you're here, so usually I have a driver's seat. I can add extra stuff, but... Oh, you can put some broccoli on my lap if you need to. (laughs) Yeah, that that might be the case, so we'll see. But we're headed to New Saigon Market. It's like a local, family-owned Asian market, so. And what will you get there? Uh, We have some of our Asian produce uh, that's not really available from any other suppliers, so we'll grab some of that and then some special seasonings if they have them in stock. Like there's star anise or cinnamon, uh, coriander seed. They have some herbs that are only really like Vietnamese, like rau rum, which is like uh, Vietnamese coriander and Thai chilies. We also get like our Asian fruits from there. So like jackfruit or yellow mangoes, papayas, green papayas. Put your seatbelt on, Brian. <laughs> I'm getting too distracted thinking about the story. The markets at Federal and Alameda in Denver, produce boxes are stacked sky high at the entrance. Ryan charges inside and, in Vietnamese, places an order. I like to try and order in Vietnamese just uh, so that I, I, cause I'm still learning the language so they can correct me if something's wrong or 
um, it feels a little bit more genuine. I think I think they kind of laugh at some of my pronunciation, but I'm trying to learn it. So I think some of the other like uh, customers, they're like, "Whoa, he he speaks some of the language." So I I, I try my best. What are you holding? Uh, boba tapioca. It's been very difficult to find, so luckily they have it in stock. Ryan shares with me that he's half American, half Chinese. In Colorado, he was one of the only Asian kids in his class. It was a significant transition, um, you know, from growing up in Seattle, where there is a large Asian population. And so when I got here, like, I was the only one in my elementary classroom that was Asian. And maybe, like, in the same grade, there might have been one other, you know, person of Asian descent. But... It was a little bit of a transition. I, you know, making friends was a little difficult for me, but I didn't have any negative interactions with with other kids or anything like that. Ryan Anderson is co-owner of Zomo, Asian and American eatery in Englewood, south of Denver. When we come back, it's onto the restaurant to unload, where we also meet the kitchen staff, many of them Vietnamese immigrants who bring decades of culinary experience. This is a day in the life of a restaurant on Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. A grove of aspen, all turning one vibrant color, is also a sign of something underground. Those hundred golden or fiery red trees are all one organism. A quaking aspen clones itself from its roots, sprouting shoots and suckers, and becoming an aggregate of genetically identical trees that can cover a hundred acres. A single tree may stand a hundred years, but the clone may last for thousands, doing best on gravelly slopes and quickly filling in areas wildfires have made bare. The wind blowing through aspens sounds like nothing else in the forest, a soft rustle of green on a summer day or a dry rattle in winter with most of the leaves gone. And black marks on the white bark of an aspen reveal what else has passed by, a bear or deer and elk or even shepherds, alone in the high country a long time ago. A Colorado postcard from CPR, with the support of Dazzle Jazz, celebrating 25 years. On this Labor Day, we're resharing our day in the life of a restaurant, how a restaurant in Englewood managed to adapt and stay in business despite pandemic disruptions. My co-host is CPR business reporter Sarah Mulholland. The restaurant is Zomo Asian and American Eatery, just south of Denver. The owners are a couple, Ryan Anderson and Alicia Davey. Alicia's Vietnamese-American grandmother, Chi, is the culinary brains and inspiration. Before the break, Ryan and I were on the morning grocery run. Ryan's SUV is brimming with produce and supplies. It's just after 9 a.m. We've already been at it for two hours. And we head for the restaurant, Zomo, on Broadway. We opened in May of 2019. So not too long. And we got we had we were very lucky. We had, um, you know, six or seven months there to build a customer base before COVID hit. And they really helped us get through, you know, with just takeouts and we survived, thank goodness. But um, yeah, we were very fortunate. We had time to develop 
a sort of customer base because if we would have opened, you know, later in the year, like December, and we were still trying to get our bearings and then COVID hit, we would, that would be a really tricky situation. And there were restaurants like that, and I feel so terrible for them. They, it's a real struggle, you know. You have really hard time finding labor. The price of goods has gone way up and there's shortages. So there's just so many struggles. It's a, it's a really difficult industry to be in. I, I like just from, you know, hearing conversations at some of the supply places, there's, there's industry uh, seniors that are just getting out of the business. It's just too difficult to juggle all the, all the different problems. The pandemic's been brutal for restaurants. The Colorado Restaurant Association says the industry here lost $3 billion last year. Now they're mostly back open, but struggle to hire enough workers. A lot of places had to cut back on hours or trim their menus because they just can't find the staff to operate at full capacity. When you look at the data, a record number of people are quitting their jobs in the U.S., and that's really pronounced in hospitality. Zomo's been pretty lucky when it comes to staffing, but they're not immune. Here's a little bit from Alicia on people leaving for other opportunities. I feel like COVID kind of rushed all of that, where they're like, I'm going to take that jump into that new career now because the industry is kind of falling apart or we don't know what's going on. So we have one girl, she's starting her nursing program this week. And so as amazing as that is, like she's going to be the most amazing nurse because she's a great server and she's so good at customer service that her nursing is going to be like the best but it it rushed it for us where now we're like well now we have to hire because she's moving on to another career and as happy as we are for her it's it's also kind of bittersweet because she's been here since we opened and kind of got us through that hump of what the shutdowns were Ryan told me the restaurant is profitable, although there were months of losses early in the pandemic. And Alicia told me they did get pandemic aid from the federal government, two rounds of those PPP loans to make payroll. Ryan actually studied engineering, which came in handy as they designed Zomo, the kitchen, the dining room. And financially, it helps that the family owns the building. Ryan backs into the parking lot behind the restaurant, starts to unload, shallots tumble out of a flimsy box. A repairman waits. Yeah, we've been struggling with a heating issue that I've kind of been trying to diagnose, and he's helping me out and get it all fixed up. Heating like of the building? Uh, yeah, just the kitchen specifically. It's just more problems and issues, and part of the day-to-day... The day-to-day is not just cooking. No, no, you got staffing, supply, and then maintenance or issues with things, upkeep. Definitely keeps you busy. I've got a list on my phone that's like, I don't know if I'll ever get to. It just keeps growing and I can't keep up. I'll knock a couple things off and then it'll just, I'll get more things added. Even as he tends to the repairman, Ryan unloads the morning's bounty, placing boxes on a dolly, then clod-hopping with it downstairs to Zomo's generous basement. As we've heard, this storage space is a lifesaver. It means there's room to stock up on staples when they can find them. The notion of you taking this dolly up and down the stairs (laughs) seems absurd. Yeah, you know, I, uh... 
I actually just recently decided to start using the dolly because I was like, man, I'm just going up and down the stairs. Like I would just do like two or two cases at a time or something. I was like, oh man, this is actually starting to wear me down. I'm getting like, you know, dehydrated and like tired. So then I was like, oh, I'll just get a dolly. It's actually helped quite a bit. Ryan, I didn't get down there. What did you see? Immaculately stacked shelves of everything a bar and restaurant would need and labels to keep everything in order. Bourbon, gin, Hennessy, triple sec, vinegar, vegetarian soup base, coconut flavored soda, mango nectar, jasmine rice, There are perishables to store as well in the walk-in refrigerator upstairs. It smells divine of herbs and sauces. Clear containers of meat await a chef's touch. Really tight quarters in here, so we have to do some rearranging in order to get in here to stock the fridge. So that was one of my downfalls in my design of the restaurant was too small of a fridge, but the upside of that is really fresh ingredients. So you run out and then you gotta get it the next day. Okay. Well, like this is what I had delivered already. I put away most of it last night when I was here, so I'm just kind of getting it out of the way so I can make room. As Ryan stocks stuff away, Grandma Chi arrives. It's just before 11 a.m. She has picked up some of the kitchen staff. It's just a thing she does. And like her, they are immigrants from Vietnam, including Yen Thi Vu, who lives here in Englewood. We speak through our interpreter. What is she doing? Uh, cô đang làm gì vậy? Uh, she is making wonton. Jalapeno wontons with cream cheese and crab. The menu says they're hand-pinched. We can now testify to that fact. And I can attest that they are very popular. It seems like every table had an order at dinner. She must make tons of wontons a day. If she's comfortable, if she could tell me a little bit of her her background, her life story, I'd be interested. Okay. Uh, cô vẫn có thể làm việc uh, khi mà ông này uh, hỏi câu hỏi. Từ Việt Nam qua từ 2008. Yeah. Và đã đi làm nhiều nhà hàng. Uh, she from a town called Red Yeah, Vietnam. Okay. And then uh, she came here in 2008. Uh, and then she had worked with many restaurants before since she moved here. And she also worked in restaurants when she was in Vietnam. What brought her to the United States? Lý do nào để cô đến với nước Mỹ? Tại vì ba má bảo lãnh, tôi muốn đoàn tụ với gia đình, với ba má, với anh em. Uh, her family is here, and she would like to come to the U.S. to be reunited with her parents, sibling, and family. And how did they wind up here? Đến nước Mỹ từ hồi nào? Lý do nào họ tới nước Mỹ? Ba ba thì đi vượt biên, rồi bảo lãnh mẹ. So her dad uh, uh, go to the U.S. through boat. Uh, that's kind of like the Vietnamese story back then. The and Vietnamese then, boat people. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, when her dad is here, he uh, doing the paperwork to help his uh, his wife, which is her mom, to come over here, and eventually her sibling and then her. Why does she work in restaurants? What is her relationship with food? So she shared that she actually a restaurant owner in Vietnam, 
And then uh, she just uh, came to love the career. Uh, you know, she was in school, and then as she grew up, she needed a career to survive, and uh, restaurant work just happened uh, to happen for her, and she really loved it and keep doing it until now. You're hearing our day in the life of a restaurant, recorded in December. When we come back, the door is open for dinner. We meet the first customers of the day. This is a Labor Day edition of Colorado Matters from CPR News. When the world changes, come to CPR News for updates on what's happening. We'll keep you connected each and every day. Just tap on your phone to listen with the Colorado Public Radio app or come to CPR.org. And on this Labor Day, we are resharing the story of restaurant owners Alicia Davy and Ryan Anderson, how they've made it through the pandemic in an industry that already operated on the slimmest of margins. Their Asian-American restaurant in Englewood is called Zomo, and in December, they let us peer into a day in their lives. After six hours of kitchen prep, it's time to set up the tables and open for dinner. The first customers in the door are Greg and Kendra Alvarado. They come to Zomo a couple times a month and always sit at the bar. So what are you guys starting with there? These are the wontons. Jalapeno. Cream cheese. Cream cheese, right? Yeah. With this sauce is the sweet and sour. This is really killer. This is what I love. Sun Win is behind the bar pouring their drinks. In case it's not clear yet that this is a real family-run operation, Sun is Alicia's brother. Right, seriously. <laughs> so Ryan, Zomo's the kind of place where staff really gets to know the regulars. In fact, Sun's going to stay with the Alvarados at their place in Mexico for a few days this winter. Oh, cool. He met them at the bar. Quite a connection. Yeah, they've got a really loyal crowd. Still, they did run into the kinds of things you've probably heard about when it comes to customers who don't like COVID protocols. I got to sit with Ryan and Alicia before the dinner rush, and they explained some of the issues they've had. We did a kind of an introduction at the table, like, hi, my name is yada yada. Just so you know, we're taking some extra steps for sanitation, so service is a little bit slower. And we actually had really negative feedback on receipts that customers would write and say, you made me uncomfortable at the start of dinner. And so we added me as a team again and say, are we going to stop doing this? Because we don't want to make customers uncomfortable. And then I found that it was more and more comments were coming on the receipts of like, your masks make me uncomfortable. or And it was just kind of a, I don't know. That's why as a team, we decided if one person wants to wear a mask, we're all going to continue to wear a mask. Gosh, Sarah, a picture of the balance they have to strike between keeping customers safe and keeping them happy. Yeah, and it's not just COVID protocols. Customers can be unforgiving when it comes to other issues the pandemic created. There's apparently a glass shortage. So oh my gosh. We have water pitchers that we put on the table, and that's something that we've had to stop doing in recent weeks because they break and we can't replace them. And so the customers are like, you're just becoming lazy or inconsistent. And we're like, no, we literally just can't get them. What a thing to notice. Oh, and it's not just the pitchers, it's wine glasses too. Because I don't want to do mismatched at the table because then it looks like the volume is different. And so we've had to replace our wine glasses 
and our rocks glasses because I can't get replacements and there weren't enough to get through a dinner service. Right. And we just had to buy a bunch of water pitchers from auction. Like, I know we were so lucky to get yeah, them at an we were auction. Yeah, so lucky. Like they, we've been. They're discontinued until sometime December 2022. Things really started to pick up a little before six. The bar is full. The kitchen is hopping. There are bowls of hot pho whizzing around the corner. I went to check things out in the kitchen, and Alicia and Ryan's six-month-old son, Carden, was hanging out. He's learning the family business early. He's fit right in. He gets passed around with all the grandmas. He's pretty comfortable here, clearly. Yes. Oh, yeah. Clearly, he is the little prince of the manor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he owns the kitchen. Everyone knows. Like, everyone watches out for him, too. He has, like, a little, um, we call it his baby office, and it's a little activity center that he stands in. And, oh, hi. Can you say hello? Hey. Say hi. But everyone watches out for his activity center, wherever it is. Um, they're like, oh, baby's out tonight. Baby's working in his office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just smiles so much that they, the cooks, uh, they all call him the morale booster because he comes out and he's just so smiley all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah. That's his most recent noise. <laughs> Alicia bounces back and forth between the kitchen and front of house where she chats up the regulars. Merlin got the meatloaf, which is grandma's. That's the first dish she learned to cook in the States. It's so. legit. <laughs> it's actually, like, I, actually, I think it's the first dish I've had from you guys. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I've, so been, I've been through the menu at least twice. At least twice. <laughs> it sounds like Alicia really thrives on the customer service. Totally. Alicia is the social butterfly of the operation. I very rarely hear anything negative, so that's good. <laughs> there are some nights that I hear more. You know, when um, food takes a long time, that's when I come out and put out fires, you know, is what they call it. But earlier in the pandemic, she spent a lot of time in the back filling takeout orders for a few reasons. I used to make it to every single table and to ask how dinner was. And with the shutdowns, I didn't see anyone. So I kind of got to know people by their orders in the yeah, back. you were also pregnant, too. Right. And, <laughs> right. And so, it's, yeah, I'm a roller coaster. But now that I'm on the floor again, I'm getting to see these people. And I'm like, oh, this is the face. So it's kind of the opposite of what it was before, where I'd get to know the person and then I'd see their takeouts. But now it's... It's really kind of unique. And I think that's really perplexing for people when I go up to them and I'm like, oh, this was your order. I, I bagged it like a dozen times. <laughs> that one always makes me laugh. <laughs> I wonder, do Alicia and Ryan help out with the cooking at all? They do if they're short-staffed in the kitchen. And Ryan, they've developed a unique measuring system. Well, Grandma and I have the same size hands. So for us, that means measuring is very easy. Uh, for me, at least, uh, Ryan had to figure out what Grandma's palm was, what her, <laughs> you know, what her finger length was, just so he could figure out how she measures things. Yeah. But I almost joke that you have to have the same size hand as her to cook in the kitchen. <laughs> By the time I left around 7:30, the place was packed. 
and it didn't look like business would slow down anytime soon. Our photographer Hart was there at closing time, 9 o'clock, and for Alicia and Ryan, that's a long day with a six-month-old in tow. Speaking of, did Ryan ever get that nap in between our morning grocery run and the start of dinner service? Nope. Oh, I mean, when I think of the labor shortage, the supply shortage, the early mornings, the driving around, the lifting, the toting, sir, I don't think I'd survive a week in this business. And it made me wonder if Ryan ever regrets getting into it. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. I would say it's similar to like, you know, every job, right? There's days that are great, things go smoothly, customers are happy, mistakes aren't made, and it's, it's a great day. It's super enjoyable, it's fulfilling. There's, you just love putting smiles on people's faces. You know, hearing the comments like this is the best food, you know, and being able to tell the grandmas in the back, you know, relay that information like that's super rewarding. Right. And there's days when, you know, you make mistakes, you know, or you're understaffed or somebody calls out and you really have to work hard and it's a really hard day. But, you know, at the end of it, you just push on and you hope that there's more good days than bad. I don't have any regrets. I think that some days I wonder what it would be like to work a regular nine to five, but I'm enjoying all the constant change and challenge. Alicia Davy and Ryan Anderson are co-owners of Zomo Asian and American Eatery in Englewood. CPR business reporter Sarah Mulholland and I visited them in December to see how they work together to make it through the pandemic, supply chain issues, and labor shortages. Colorado's free ride is over. The state footed the bill for a month of public transit in August, intended to cut back driving in the name of clean air. Ridership appears to have risen in some places. And as CPR's Nathaniel Minor reports, advocates hope it's a precursor to more state spending on buses and trains. The Regional Transportation District's W-Line train had at least one new rider on it last week. Victoria Jesus was commuting to classes at Red Rocks Community College in Lakewood. It's great. Yeah, it's it's been working well. Yes, very convenient and I avoid the traffic. Jesus says she gave RTD a try because rides were free and she enjoyed it so much that she's gonna keep doing it. She likes its environmental benefits and doesn't mind that the train doesn't quite get her all the way to school. Uh, You do have that big walk up the hill from the station, right? Yeah, but I like it, you know, exercise is good for our body. (laughs) State officials hope there are a lot more people like Victoria Jesus out there, especially in the Denver metro, where tailpipe emissions are a top contributor to smog. But we won't know how many more people rode RTD for at least a few more months. It'll publish a ridership report in November. Preliminary figures, though, from around the state suggest that free fares led to some sizable ridership increases, 28% in Bent County out on the Eastern Plains, a nearly 50% rise in Colorado Springs, and 60% in Pueblo. 
Some of those increases are because of existing passengers who rode more. But Pueblo Transit Director Ben Valdez says they're seeing new riders, too. My operators have been driving the same routes for like a thousand years. So, you know, they see the same people every day and they're telling me about all the new faces they got going on. Converting drivers to transit riders is a key part of the state's push to reduce climate emissions and air pollution. Government officials say they don't yet have enough information to analyze the impact of free transit fares on air quality. But we do know that this has been tried before in the Denver area, back in the 1970s. It had a small effect then, and it's likely going to have a small effect now. Because Colorado's transportation system and the sprawling nature of the state cities has favored the car for decades. Only 4% of Denver area commuters use transit. So even a significant increase in ridership won't have a big effect on the overall amount of driving we do. Still, backers of this effort say it's part of a bigger push toward transit in Colorado. I don't think anyone framed this as something that would fix everything. State Senator Faith Winter is a Democrat from Westminster. To criticize the program and say, well, our transit system just isn't there, so we can't do it. When I see this as a significant step forward and we can't change things overnight, but we can continually make progress. The state does plan to pour hundreds of millions of dollars into public transit around Colorado over the next decade. But there's no plan to dedicate more state funding to Colorado's largest transit agency, RTD. Advocates for public transit say the state should be proud of its investment in free fares. And now it should invest more money in making transit better in the Denver area. Molly McKinley is with the Denver Streets Partnership. We have so much good infrastructure already. We have the routes um, within the RTD system for people to use transit. But a lot of routes are, the buses are only coming every hour, every 30 minutes. And for most folks, that's just not super useful. McKinley's group is partnering with labor and environmental interests to launch a new effort to push for more state money for transit operations. Compared to this free fare experiment, though, the price tag could be a whole lot higher. I'm Nathaniel Miner, CPR News. The areas around Coors Field, Ball Arena, and Empower Field at Mile High in Denver may look a lot different in coming years. That includes what the landowners envision as a so-called sports mile connecting the three stadiums. All of this would be a big transformation. Eric Boschman is a geography professor at the University of Denver. He co-wrote the book Metropolitan Denver, Growth and Change in the Mile High City. Boschman says he thinks this is a great way for Denver to grow. You know, if there was a bunch of trees and a bunch of established neighborhoods and families and households that were going to be displaced, that would be a different story. But from what I can tell, we're digging up a bunch of parking lots, and that's, that's good. Um, and being replaced with a lot of mixed-use, higher-density, transit-oriented developments. Others implore developers to be inclusive, not just cater to the wealthy. You can read about the proposal, which the city must sign off on, and see renderings and maps at denverite.com. And that is Colorado Matters on this Labor Day, with thanks to a hard-working team. Tyler Bender. Carl Bielek. Anthony Cotton. Pete Kramer. Andrea Dukakis. Rachel Estabrook. Michelle Fulcher. Matt Hers, Michael Hughes. Carla Jimenez. Pedro Lumbrano. 
Patrice Mondragon. Shane Rumsey. Chandra Thomas-Whitfield. And I'm Ryan Warner. Thanks for spending time with us. This is CPR News and KRCC. KRCC.